Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is your typical radio ad while eating a Crunch Bar. This is Automatic of Auto's Used Cars. This weekend only, we're having a whale. Bring the kids. See for yourself. It is huge. Gonna make a big splash. No other dealer can say they have a whale like this. When things sound dull, turn up the fun with Crunch. Right, and welcome to another Unequal Sequel Extra, but this is also an extra extra because it has absolutely nothing to do with sequels. Uh, This is the bonus episode we promised of the Lewis Arnold Extras, where he is talking about his latest project, Time, and he's got some stories about Sean Bean and Stephen Graham. So enjoy this. How much filming have you done in the the last year, Lewis? Has it been testing pretty non-stop yeah so we well no not quite we i think we were in we so we were editing dares so we finished filming dares and then in sort of end of jan i went into the edit and then covid started happening and i think we were we'd edited episodes one and two and then as we were doing episode three we decided we'd, we'd work remotely and then so we did everything remotely apart from i think i went in we didn't even did the grade but i went in for the mixes and i think i reviewed the grade in encore and then everything stood down. Everything was stood down. So I, um, I took, to, to, like everybody, was you know took time out. Wrote a book. So I wrote a book. I say wrote a book. That's such a lie. I created a book. So I, I started teaching again. Basically, when I still couldn't film anymore, I went back to Gloss and did some stuff for Gloss. Uh, when I was teaching them, because they weren't allowed to make their grad films, so it's a real shame. Like they did, they oh, did that. Yeah, they did our course and it's like, you could imagine they'd made one film, they're about to do their bigger film. I cut a long story short, I basically, for them, I decided I wanted to do something for them, give back. So I asked like 15 directors the same five questions about how they became a director and then grew that and I delivered it to them and there was like 20 people on it, 25 people on it and I delivered it and then delivered it to that year group at, at Glass and then... And then just, it was quite a success. And I spoke to a couple of people, I spoke to the NFTS and they were like, they basically said, if you, I wanted to release it, but I wanted to get it to a hundred people. And they basically were like, if you do it, and they offered to give me um, money to basically launch it as a free downloadable book online. So it's called Directors Now. And there's a website and it's all on the website, but there's a 106 filmmakers on there and directors oh. on there, uh, varying sort of levels of 
careers, but most of them relatively, um, you know, it's not like there's Edgar Wright on there or people like that, but there are some, mm. you know, Alice Lowe and there's some big TV directors on there that they, the students wouldn't be that familiar with, but I very, like Paul Whittington and Paul Andrew Williams who's worked in both film and TV and commercial directors, documentary directors, animation directors, like the brothers McLeod are on there. And so, yeah, so, and then, so I launched that and then I don't know why I'm telling you this. And then, yeah, then I went straight onto time in, I fit, and then I did the graduation films at NFTS taught on that. And then I literally finished that and then literally left that and did, did time and then finished time and went straight onto this. So literally we only finished time about two and a half months ago and literally wow. I, I delivered the mix. I delivered the mixes and then was on this straight away because I signed up to do this in November. They, they needed me to be free as soon as I was free, if that makes sense. So yeah, it's been pretty nonstop. Partly because I think there's that worry as well of, you know, how, how much this is going to knock on in terms of uh, the, just having job security right now is kind of quite important, I think. Especially because I've just had another baby. Well, we've just had another baby. Yeah, I did, I did nothing. My job, lasted, <laughs> my job lasted a few minutes and uh, yeah. Amazing. Well, time's done pretty well. Isn't it like eight and a half million views or something now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's done. I mean, it's I mean, it's probably the biggest thing I've in terms of um, reach that I've ever ever did. I'm still getting texts and emails and all sorts now from people I haven't spoken to for years, but also industry people. No, it's, it's done really well. It seems to have sort of reached. I thought Des was pretty good in terms of uh, Des was good. How it, not not in terms of, so not in terms of the arrogantly in terms of good in. Oh, well, I mean I, I mean good in terms. I'll do it for of, you. It was good. Rich. In terms it was of good. Reach. Yeah, yeah. Um, don't, you don't have this to. This has been huge. Yeah. This has been. Uh, no, I never like. I, I never like the stuff I make. I always feel a bit awkward about it. I think that's yeah. natural, isn't it? Because you, whatever you do, you there's always something else you think. Oh, I could have done that differently, or I could have done this. But outside, Des was great, and time I really enjoyed. Well, the BBC gave us an extra nine minutes for episode three. That was that was a bit of a. a, a and that thing. says something. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was a bit of a because there's a way you could have played the episode out. There's a whole bunch of stuff we could have cut from the episode that would have meant it was sort of on length. But we kind of fought pretty hard to keep it because there's a there's a whole strand basically of a character that isn't related to you know uh the two central characters uh, you know jimmy's writing i've always been a fan of like his sort of anthology series like the street or the accused and i think mm. this kind of doesn't have that could have easily been that jimmy could have wrote this as a an anthology series but actually what i think jimmy did more successfully here was just give you these punches of these people throughout the series and we just didn't want to lose that in episode three and yeah we had to fight for it but the bbc were incredibly supportive so we were quite oh, lucky actually good. i think the best thing you did was make make sean bean not look tough yeah i mean sean, in all fairness <laughs> to him though i mean he he did that a lot of that himself i mean he did things like changing he changed his gait and his whole physicality his posture yeah uh, his posture the way he walked like he kind of and and the reality is sean is by his i mean people don't know this because people don't people see him on screen and see him shouting in yorkshire tea adverts and stuff and he comes across quite confident and cocksure and actually he's a very very sensitive very very quiet thoughtful considerate man mm. and that might be an age thing he might have i don't know what he was like years ago i can only vouch for him you know in my experience of working with him over the last year you know he's an incredibly quiet and vulnerable and sensitive soul you know and but also incredibly funny i mean this is one of the when he warmed up after week one you know like he'd make jokes but he doesn't make jokes for the t for everybody he says a joke and if you hear it you hear it if you don't 
it just goes by. And I, I kind of love that, that sometimes the first idea just burst out laughing and no one would really know why. And, you know, later the first bit, oh, Sean just walked past and said a comment about this. And But he, but I think people think he's this quite, you know, quite similar to the characters he plays. Hmm. And I think that was Jimmy's genius because Jimmy wrote it for him. And I even I would have said that when they spoke about Sean, I was like, okay, that you know like i love sean but like can he play the white collar criminal that you immediately look at and go he's not going to survive in prison and you know instinctively you kind of go well that's not sean because of the but actually the reality is you know if you know sean or you know watch him work he, he just did it and he brought so much to it yeah he was um yeah the first the first scene we did i remember just yeah just going god we're going to be okay actually because he's just it just every like i say he changed everything. He really, he really went there and thought about it on levels that I, you know, I don't think I even thought that he would go to, but he was yeah, outstanding. Yeah. Did you bring up uh, any uh, Lord of the Rings questions? Because I was loads. I would <laughs> loads. not be able to. Loads. Yeah. I, uh, yeah. I got a picture of him. We had a, a day where you'll see an episode three. He, he has to wear a suit, like a black and white sort of formal suit. And he walked down to set and I sort of wolf whistled and was like, yes, 006. And then got a picture with oh. him. Like, uh, and I was, we, you know, we kept, and he, he loved, you know, we kept joking about that, about how like for me, you know, as, as a you know, golden hour, it was my age of Bond. So yeah, there was a lot of talk about Bond. There was a lot of talk about Lord of the Rings. I mean, I, I'd read Sean Austin's book called uh, There and Back Again, or Hobbit tale or something years and years ago and right. I, so i was saying to him things like oh i heard about oh i heard you didn't go on the helicopters and i had all this information he was like how the fuck do you know that and so he very quickly realized that i was an uber nerd um, <laughs> yeah and ronin you know we spoke a lot about ronin Ronin's great i love ronin I, I, I didn't say anything to him for about a week and then i think after a week like you become quite sort of um you you know if it works you, you kind of get into that inner sanctum and then yeah, yeah. As soon as I get an opportunity, I'd be more in his ear about about one of the films he'd done that I was completely in awe of. Yeah, was it was it the same with Stephen Graham, or have you worked with him before? Slightly different relationship. Just in, uh, I'd never worked with Stephen before. Yeah, I mean, me and Stephen became very like in pre, but I didn't really chat to Sean only via email until the week before we started filming. Where Stephen, I was talking to from. I mean, Stephen was the first person to call me once I got the job. Like, I literally got the job, and then Stephen called me. But that's because me and Stephen have a lot of mutual friends. So me and Stephen just immediately hit the ground running. I think before we'd even started filming, we'd had all of the, you know, we talked about stuff like The Damned United and I'd asked him about um, certain stories I'd heard about that. And, you know, obviously I'd heard a lot of the sort of Martin Scorsese stories. And But Stephen's like, yeah, that happened more, more organically. It wasn't like I had to, with, with Sean, it was always, I felt like I had to position myself and, oh, I'm going to, he feels like he's in a place I can ask him about this now. Whereas yeah, yeah. Stephen, I think before he even got to set, I was like, dude, what was that like? It was just a bit of a different, it's just a diff slightly different dynamic but yeah steven's got some great fucking stories man yeah it's, but the best one for me was i mean when you realize the great thing about stephen graham is he's the most down-to-earth lovely human being and really looks after people and he has no, you know he still makes short films you know he's doing a short film the other week for a, a lad that he believed in and you know that's stephen like stephen just believes in people and gives back and has no ego at all so when he tells stories, and when I tell this story, I tell my wife this story, but he started a story the very early in the process where he's like, he's like, yeah, so Leo was taking me to, a, and I was like, sorry, Leo, uh, Leo DiCaprio was driving oh, yeah, to yeah. a party. I was like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah. He's like, yeah, yeah, so I'm going to Brad's party. And I was like, Brad, Brad Pitt? He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Anyway, and Leo's dropping me off. And I was like, hang on, Leo DiCaprio is dropping you off at Brad Pitt's birthday party. He's like, yeah. I was like, why isn't Leo? Go-? He said, oh, they didn't know each other at that point. I'm just thinking, fucking hell, man. Like, you just wouldn't know it, though, because he doesn't carry any of that with him. And when he says these stories, he's not saying it in a way to impress you. He's just telling these. But he anyway, Stephen's stories are just fucking brilliant. A lot of them you can watch, like the stuff about making um, Irishmen and his relationship and what some of the things he was doing with, how, like he would, the scene where he throws the ice cream and goes for him, like he didn't tell Pacino he was going to do that and stuff. Yeah. And, those, and stories he's got, I mean, he's worked with Daniel Day-Lewis. You know, when when Stephen talks, he's a wealth of knowledge. Yeah, it was quite incredible actually, you know, sitting with him and just chatting about stuff. You know, everyone behaves according to your number one and your number two on the call sheet. And if your number one and your number two are tricky or, slightly ill-behaved and that might be anything from as little as turning up every day to the floor 15 or 20 minutes late or whatever Mm. that kind of ripples down I've been really blessed that you know quite a number of years now I've had a really good number one and number two that set the the tone and the precedent and I think it was on Broadchurch that was no you know very clear on Broadchurch that you know when David Olivia Jody and Andy are such beautiful human beings and so professional that no one can come into those shows and be difficult because the top four people in those shows who the show's built around are just a dream to work with. And, you know, I think I learned very quickly from that, that, you know, if you, you get your number one and your number two and get them to invest in what you're doing, then it kind of trickles down really. Um, we should probably talk about sequels, but that was, I was really say, interesting. Yeah. We could just talk all day. And that was that. That was Lewis talking about his uh, experiences on time with Sean Bean and Stephen Graham. Hope you enjoyed it. We just thought it was too good not to put on the internet somewhere. Uh, We'll be back on Friday with our extra episode, which will be sequel related. And then next Monday, we'll be back to the interview segment of our podcast if you want to get hold of us we're on the socials at, on instagram and twitter at unequal sequel and we're on all podcasting platforms also one last thing check out lewis's directors now on the internet <laughs> i'm so old check it out if you're interested in directing that's a really good place to start and it's got some really interesting stories about how directors got started well some directors over 100 directors got started and that's all from me so i'll see you next time bye